Hi, welcome to season nine. We're in episode four of what we are calling the art and science of marketing. And we're taking sometimes art, sometimes science, and sometimes both. Um, actually, that is what we're going to do a bit more of today as we delve into what is science overlaid with um, with art. So, Tom, do you want to tell us a little bit more about what, what we're going into here? When we think about the new rules of marketing um, and, and how uh, effective marketing is being done maybe a little bit differently these days than ever before. We think of a lot of things that many consider to be art. You know, you see that many brands are obviously using social media um, to, to both in, engage with their audience in very timely uh, and um, trend appropriate ways. We see that a lot of brands are seeking to do things like get users to create content called user-generated content to um, you know provide some real credibility for the brand from people that aren't necessarily associated with the brand. You know, um, we see many brands trying to be very very humorous and. Um, you know, be consistent um, with what's going on in the world. And to many people, as you look at all, all of these new ways of, of, of marketing, it seems very, very artistic. In a lot of ways it is, you have to be really, you know, you have to be really timely, very topical. You have to have a sense of humor. All these things are artistic. But I think what we, as we look at this and embrace and, and really respect these new ways of marketing, we also see how some science, some process, some things that have always been done in marketing can really help with these new methodologies, these new approaches to the marketplace. So we, I guess we wanted to today talk a little bit about you know, how science and process can really help you with the new rules and new methods of marketing. So let's start. <laughs> I think what, 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 I, what I think that um, if you kind of are looking at, at all these things that I just mentioned and you, know, you start to talk about brands that are um, you know, jumping on certain trends, you know, how, how do you as a company know which trends you should speak out on, associate your brand with, I mean, how do you make sure that you're not just jumping on every trend and trying to associate your brand with it? How do you know which trends are the ones that you should be jumping on, leveraging um, for your particular situation, whether it be a B2C or a B2B brand? I think there's a, there's a couple of, of, of ways to approach. One, any, any trend needs to be real, first of all, right? That not, not a trend that, that is not sustainable, isn't a flash in the pan. So you're looking for trends that are going to have some longer term presence and an effect so um that would be the first rule is is, is don't be uh, so keen to jump on a, a trend if you if you don't see it as being somewhat sustainable important and, and meaningful second thing i would say is once you've done that make sure that you can credibly associate yourself with that trend if you're a, a traditional stuffy old brand that has tradition and is and is is loved by um people who value 
that sort of traditional long-standing don't don't try and be hyper modern and cool and hip because there'd be a disconnect with what you've your foundation are same if you're a real fun youthful energetic brand don't suddenly try and, and take over the the uh the more stay traditional and slower brand. So make sure the trend fits. It'd be my other thing. Make sure you do an assessment of fit. And then the other thing is think of the counter, the counter uh, factual, if you like, where if you if you follow one trend, you, you you can't always ride two horses at the same time. Well, in fact, as a metaphor, you can never ride two horses at the same time. But you get my my, my point that, that, that sometimes by doing one thing, you have to be somewhat opposed to another thing. So you have to make sure you don't get a, 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 a reaction to following a certain trend. This isn't a trend, but it's an example I came across. We used to supply vehicles to various authorities, businesses, and commercial vehicles like trucks and what have you. And we had an opportunity to supply uh, a sponsored minibus to a local football, to, well, a, a big professional football club. And it would be Portsmouth, I think, was the club sponsored by TLS and all the reps in the local area says don't do that you'll lose us every bit of business in Southampton which is the next town over which is a fierce rival in terms of football rivalry so by associating with one we would alienate the other and while that's more about uh, affinity it, it applies to trends too if you suddenly say we're going to be tied to an ecological green trend then you you have to eschew every aspect of of your negative business effect on the environment and be called out for the fact that you might not be as green as you think. So there's always going to be a a mirror held up to you if you follow a trend as to as to who is against it and more importantly are you are you true to it. So there's a lot of checklists to go through. It's not a simple decision. Yeah, I think that um, I like your ideas of is the trend real and you know can you identify with it. I, I want to go deeper into that and say that um, it has to, you have to see it through the eyes of the customer. So if you see a trend, there may be some interesting trends, but until you process the science of processing it through, so what, what does that mean to our customer and how will it impact their business and their customers? I think taking that, that's a real discipline that you have to have. And then the art of it is the so what. I think so what is a, it has a big paintbrush with it. You know, it's, it's like, so we know that this goes through and th this is going to have a major impact on our customers and their customers. So what does it mean to them? And that's where all of a sudden you have to be very artistic to say, so what are the implications to the customers? And then what are the implications to us? So using that deeper uh, dive, I think, then coming back up, Sean, and saying, what can we own? Um, gives a little bit more robustness to that analysis. And you have to have both art and science to be able to do that. Well, I think you, the other thing that, that you have to have when it comes to trends is you've got to be super nimble, which requires a lot of pre-thought. In other words, if you, if the, the, the news cycle is so fast and you seem hip and cool and, 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 and to, to, you know, on top of your game, you have to, 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 be, to be ready to hit social media and with, with opinions or a tie-in with a particular trend pretty darn quickly. And so what I think that suggests is that you almost have to work a little bit backwards from, you know, when we run through our standard methodology, we, we often think about trends really early in the process. And later on, a little bit later on, we think about segmentation and um, a, a lot later on, we think about positioning. 
I think that today you've got to think about your positioning, your segmentation before you think about this kind of trend uh, analysis, because you've got to be ready to say, all right, what's, what's trending? Is this something that's on message for the positioning that we want to uphold? Does this really, is this really something that matters to our, our segments? Okay. And if it's, if I get a check and a check, then I got to be pretty quick and say, all right, now, how do I want to associate my brand with this trend? What do I want to do? Um, example that I, I recently saw was interesting. And it flies a little bit, Sean, in the face of what you said, because it was with the Washington Post. And the Washington Post is, of course, a, a member of the old guard, right? The old, the, the old traditional newspaper. But as they did their segmentation and their positioning, what they realized is they wanted to um, reach a, a much younger audience. And so they hired this, this, this producer, this young producer who was pretty well known. And he, um, what he started to do is he started to use TikTok and make TikTok videos in sort of translating the, the news, the current trends, things that are trending for millennials and Gen Z. So taking a lighter look at the news. And, um, you know, up, playing up, um, you know, certain looks at things like the recent U.S. election and, and the length of and making light of the length of time it was taking to count the votes and all of that. And it was a way for the Washington Post to sort of jump on a trend and, and, and be humorous about something that was happening in the news in a way that they had never done before. But what was driving it was the idea that they knew that their new positioning, what the new position that they wanted to take and the segment, the new segment that they wanted to reach would react positively. And it appears that this is allowing them to actually, you know, bring in some new readership and some segments that they were having trouble reaching before. So I think that actually makes my point rather than refutes it, because it's like, like I said, don't leap onto a trend that you can't credibly associate yourself with. So if their approach had been with the Washington Post, we're a big broadsheet, serious newspaper, let's make our front page more fun. Let's use some provocative headlines. Let's change the product. It would fail miserably. They would not only, not only fail to attract new readers, they would lose their existing ones. Mm -hmm. So when you ask yourself the question, can I credibly do something about this? They had the foresight to say, let's bring someone in, almost like a skunk work second division sort of thing of saying, let's get online, let's hit some TikTok videos, let's try and get engagement with the brand. Ultimately, they've got to pull those threads together and be the newspaper and the news source that they are. And nothing's set in concrete. Everything can evolve, but that's the way you do it. If you want to explore certain trends or different types of customers, you do it in a way that doesn't, require you to to try and turn the whole big ship around you know you've got to do it in sub so i think that's exactly how you should do it then you look at the data and you say could we i mean what what would be the ultimate the the the, the washington post what it stands for would have to shift considerably to be the same as it presents itself online to a certain sub target of, of customers so the question was, do we just keep that as a, as a sort of sub-brand, as a feeder brand, or, or do we think now's the time to, to turn that big old oil tanker around, which takes a lot of effort? So I think it's, it's, it's very congruent with what I said. You, 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 that's the way you do it. You dip your toe in the water, so to speak.
Mm-hmm. You know, I speaking of oil tankers, um, I can't I I can't help but bring up Starbucks. You know, for years when we would go around the world, we would say, you know, tell us the companies about the companies that you think are really kind of driving the market, they're market focused. And Starbucks and of course Apple came up a lot. Um and to see that Starbucks, you know, kind of invented the third place, they they really they were shaping, they were, I don't know if they were going with the trends or they were actually creating some of the trends too. They were really shaping markets across the, the world. They got the Chinese, you know, the Chinese market never took, you know, their their tea outside of an establishment. And they, you know, they created a lot of this. And frankly, we haven't heard much, if anything, from them. And so, you know, it's sad to see how a company that did such a great job in one era um, is is really kind of flailing. From what I can see, I was told I went into a Starbucks and I said, you know, I, I used to come here all the time. I used to love you guys. And they were having a management meeting there. And the woman told me, she says, you're not in our segment. So they maybe are going after the younger ones where TikTok and all the things we're talking about might be an appropriate execution. But even my daughter doesn't want to go to Starbucks now. So I've, I'm not quite sure what they're doing or what trends they're watching to help shape their business. Yeah. yeah, it's always interesting. That that's the big challenge for every business. I mean, there's there's two opposing forces. Um, consistency is generally a good thing. If you want to build a reputation, you have to be consistent and live that reputation. If your reputation is one for quality and customer service, you need to make sure that everything you do addresses that. So you get this steady state of just continual improvement, but not radical change. Yet following trends can often involve radical change. And we know that then adds an element of risk. But there's also an element of risk of doing the same thing you've always done and watching your business slowly deteriorate. And of course, one of the challenges for any company that grew the size of Starbucks went from a small, almost alternative lifestyle type brand, you know, to this global um, presence everywhere you go. Now you'll see a Starbucks and that makes them the sort of business they were fighting against when they started, you know, that reinvention. It's a tricky one. You know, you always got to decide when it's, it's like a, it's like a gambler's dilemma. When, when do you double down? When, when do you say, no, this is still working. We're going to keep going. And, and, and should those changes be subtle? Should they be radical or, or should you just uh, stick with what you know and be, be steady as she goes? It's uh, the existential questions for strategic thinking, I suppose. Well, that's the old, but to your point, then that's when you can't do all of it. You can't do a little bit of, I'm going to go get on that horse. I'm going to stay in this stable and I'm going to, you can, you, you have to make some decisions as Starbucks. If they're going to go after the younger ones, you know, then go with the trends of the younger ones and, and change the way it looks inside. But right now they're steady as they go with kind of, you know, I guess evolutions of what they, their, their third place feels like. And frankly, you know, it would have been a nice situation for them to really present themselves in a different way during the pandemic. You know, a, a cool way to take out your drinks. But anyway, I think this is, you know, it's interesting. I think this is where branding, um, innovation, and branding can can really can really help a company like Starbucks. You know, the Starbucks brand. I don't think you would ever get. I don't know that you would run away completely from the Starbucks brand. But if if you want to make this this slow evolution, maybe you, you know, experiment with subbrands, you know, and, 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 and take something that's directed more towards a, a younger crowd and like 
Sean, you're saying is you take a pilot and, and you start to maybe experiment and see if this concept works and allow you know that concept to maybe cannibalize some of your existing concepts if it if it's working. So I think that that's a, a key of, is creative creative use of of branding and segmentation. I mean, I think all these things that we're talking about here, it's kind of can be overwhelming because it just seems like, oh, wow, everybody's just, you know, better at us, you know, company, you're sitting in a company and watching all this go, going on. You say, everybody's better at us. It's coming in these fabulously creative ideas. They're getting the right spokespeople. They're coming up with, you know, they're, they're hopping on the right trends. They're getting their users to generate content for them. I think the secret to all of that is to really know your target segments. Once you know your target segments and you know them in a, it's a needs-based segment. So the segment, the way that you, you encapsulate them is, is in a way that allows you to really understand deeply their needs, what they're interested in, who they admire. That is the catalyst for a lot of these ideas where, and, and, and I think that's what can, can make any company, you know, uh, very, very creative and feeling like they're keeping up with all of the other activity that's going on around them that maybe they previously looked at as, you know, beyond their, their abilities to be creative. I think that's really key, Tom, what you've just said, because, you know, when we look at trends in isolation, like, like trends are, are something that we either follow or we ignore or we adapt to or what have you. But when you overlay segmentation to it, particularly needs-based or values-based or, or belief-based segmentation, then you're looking at a trend, not in isolation, but you're saying, does this trend make a difference? Does it resonate? Does it does it impact the people that in this segment that are most important to us as a business? And if it does, then that's a real flashing light on your dashboard saying we need to we need to address this. We need to somehow think through how we reflect this trend in our offer or how we benefit from this trend. If you find you've got a bunch of people where that trend is, 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 is not necessarily impactful, then there's a chance to double down on the on the anti-trend, right? The, 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 the yin to the yang of saying like, no, we're always we're always going to be steady as she goes. We're not going to follow this 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 flat, fancy new new thing. So understanding your your most key customers through segmentation, because that's the only group that matters. You know, we hear a lot of we see it all the time, don't we? People classify their customers into they can be age demographics they can be geographic locations they can be size of business there's lots of ways to group and lump customers together what really matters is how they collectively think and if you can segment them on some pattern of shared value experience or or needs then that's the lens to look at trends through 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 that lens of your of your customer segments and i think you've hit on the, the nail on the head there tom trends in isolation are dangerous trends seen through the eyes of your key segments or potential segments are much more useful. Yeah. So um, we we're going to wrap up now. We hope that um, as you've been listening to this podcast, you're thinking about um, the trends that might impact your business and those segments that you may want to focus a bit more on and see it through their eyes. And um, if you like this podcast or this series, we have loads of them on the Accidental Marketer website, as well as pretty much anywhere you can get your podcasts. We have eight previous seasons worth. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.